This message was recorded live at Plantation Seventh-day Adventist Church in Plantation, Florida. Welcome to PlantationSDA.tv. Here you will find a diverse variety of Bible-based topics and conversations. God's master plan to inspire your mind, bring peace to your heart, and uplift your soul. May you be blessed and encouraged as you listen to God's Word. me. After that, I'm expected to preach. Father God, hide me behind your cross. It's one final time with my church family, Father. Let your words, let my words be your words. In your name, amen. amen. I forgot how little my kids were. <laughs> They're now kind of towering over me. You know, it was very difficult to write the sermon. And I remember I'm writing and discarding and writing and deleting and writing and discarding And Armando said, what's the problem? And I said, I need it to be epic. (laughs) I need to leave them with hope. And God said, just be you. I was 13 years old. And before I get there, you know already, for these four years I have shared my life. You know how God saved me as a baby at three days old and at 26 weeks and two and a half pounds. You know that my parents begged God the night before my surgery and promised him, if you allow her to live, she's yours, we give her to you, we will make sure that she grows in the knowledge of you and that she will serve you all the days of her life. And I grew singing. You know that at age 11, I asked God, what else could I do for him? Because I knew of the miracle that he had been doing in my life and I was impressed to get baptized and give my life and then dedicate my voice. What you don't know is that my mother was women's ministries director, is still women's ministries director of the Hawaii Conference. And for as long as I can remember, she would take me to retreats, to prayer breakfasts, to anything women's ministries related. I remember being seven years old and too young to join in the discussions and so I would be hiding in the hotel room, coming down for lunch, and as I grew older, I was able to participate more and hear the needs of the women and I was able to find compassion, and then soon teenage girls started coming. 
At age 13, my mom took me with her and a few friends to a Women of Faith convention. Anyone of you know what that is? Women of Faith, and to us in Hawaii, it's a big deal when these big conventions from the mainland, as we called it, come down to little old Hawaii. And so we were there, and I was sitting with my mom and her friends amongst hundreds, maybe a couple thousand women, and I was so awed and inspired listening to the speakers and the singers, and there was a point during this time when all the music faded away and the Lord spoke to me and said, this is what I want you to do for me. Tell them about me. And I, being the singer, I said, tell them about you? Sure, God, you want me to be like Whitney Houston? I'll sing, I'll, I'll do worship teams. You want me to be like CeCe Winans? I'll go around the world. And he didn't specify. He said, tell them about me. Tell who, God? Tell just women, tell men, tell who? And being the God that he is who gives us choice, He left that blank, and so I decided then and there that not only would I invest my voice, but I would invest my speaking engagements. And so at 13, I began preaching throughout the islands of Hawaii. By my sophomore year, the conference president was flying me throughout the islands to take the place of ministers when they were on sabbatical or if there was just a youth day. And I remember asking God in my senior year, is this what you want me to do? Because my pastors were telling me, go into the ministry, you'll be a great pastor. I said, Lord, I'll do whatever it is you want me to do, but is this what you want me to do? And he opened up the floodgates in response and I began speaking for youth crusades throughout Oahu. I remember one particular one, I was standing in an arena of maybe about 800 youth, not just Adventists, but Christian youth from all denominations. And I remembered what he had told me few years before that. He said, tell them about me. And I said, all right, Lord, I'm gonna make that decision. I'm gonna go into pastoral ministry. Go with me in your Bibles to Jeremiah 1, 5 to 9. And it says, before I knew you in the womb, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I sanctified you. I ordained you as a prophet to the nations. Then said I, ah, oh Lord God, behold, I cannot speak, for I am a youth. And then the Lord said to me, do not say I am a youth, for you shall go to all to whom I send you, and whatever I speak you, you shall speak. Do not be afraid of their faces, for I am with you to deliver you, says the Lord. And so as this youth, even though I had been given all these opportunities, 
I am still this 19, 20-year-old who was unsure if this was truly where I was supposed to be because at this time, I was being told that there are very, 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 very few female pastors and it's not something that I should dabble into because there might not be a job. You also know, as I have shared a few times, that even though I was this SDA young preacher, prodigy back in the islands, I'm still human and Armando and I fell very publicly and very hurtfully upon ourselves. But see, even through our brokenness, this is where God can use you most. Even though we had messed up so far, God says, I still have a plan for you. I remember the fire burning within me. I remember being around and people were saying, oh, we did get a, I did get a degree with my husband, a computer networking degree, and asked me if I know any of it now, and I know nothing. And he even teases me about it. He says, man, you were the one competing with me for the 4.0, and you still know nothing? I said, that's your area, honey. And I had this fire within me, and he and I would argue, we spent four years living at home with my parents, and I love them. Mom, I love you. If you're watching, it was a great four years, but sometimes you got to be on your own. And I remember this fire burning within me, and I kept telling Armando, honey, God is still calling me to the ministry despite everything. We got to go and do this. And you know how expensive it is to live in Hawaii. And he said, baby, no matter how many extra shifts I get, there is no money in the pot to take you back to school. I said, but God is calling me. I remember in our fourth year of marriage, there was tension because I knew where I was supposed to be. But I didn't know how God was going to free me. And Armando got so sick and tired of my whining and complaining that he turned in prayer and he said to God, Lord, I will take her out of here. I just don't know how to. But whatever you do, you fund the finances and we will leave Hawaii and I'll settle her into the ministry at Nubo College because it was cheaper there rather than state um, Adventist colleges. And would you know... You don't mess around when you give a declaration like that to God because three weeks later, we won $10,000 in a radio contest. <laughs> and I remember Armando saying, Whoa, I'm not going to touch that money. This is God's money. You take it and let's go do what he's called you to do. So we bought the visas, we bought the tickets, and we paid for the first few months of tuition at Nubo College. Now, turn with me to Genesis 12, verse 1 to 3, and it says there, just in case I cannot read it. Okay, it says there, now the Lord said to Abraham, get out of your country from your family and from your father's house to a land that I will show you and I will make you a great nation. I will bless you and make your name great and you will be a blessing. Now God was calling me now 
to get out of my comfort zone. I had to leave Hawaii. I had to go to a whole other country. Even though I'd had one gap year there before, now I had to go with the family. No built-in babysitters. I had, we had to do this on our own. And I said, God, really? This is the route that we're going to take? Who's going to catch me on the other end? And he said, go. I have given you a way out. I have put funds directly into your lap. Now go do what I'm telling you to do. Go to school. And so me listening to, you know, other leaders saying that I should not go straight, straight into the ministry, but I should get a degree that would allow me to help people. And then if I truly decided to go into the ministry later, that I would get my bachelor's or my, my master's in theology. And so, and I was told, you know, with your past and you're a woman, there's no place really in the field for you. And so I listened and I got a degree in behavioral sciences, psychology and sociology because at the very, at, at the one end, I could be a social worker or a therapist. And so this was how God worked. And when we got there to Newbold's, we knew nobody. All my old friends were gone. But see, when God calls you to a place and his calling is definite and he's saying, I'm going to provide for you. Now, I'm not going to tell you that the way is going to be easy. But I'm going to provide for you. And God also provides people. People that he calls to minister and become friends with you. And right off, you know the star, we met a great man, Brother Petrus, in the, within the first couple of days. And he became our forever friend, he and his family. So when I graduated... And God let us out. I was supposed to get my master's in theology there, but God said no. And we, we moved to the States. For four years, for our first four years of marriage, we've been in a different place every four years. So just like Abram, God does not allow you to settle in one spot. When you get comfortable, too comfortable, he's like, all right, you're getting too comfortable here. It's time for you to go and minister somewhere else. He gives you the family to fall into, and then he takes you out and says, time, my child, to make a new, to make a new place. And so we were sent to New Jersey. And when we were sent to New Jersey, everyone said, oh, Jersey, that, I'm so sorry for the Jersey folks here. They kept telling us, Jersey is the underarm of the United States. And you're not going to have fun in Jersey. And it was hard. It was very hard in Jersey because we were a family, a, a big family. Now, when I look at this promise of Abraham and God said, go and I will bless you and I will multiply you and make you great among nations. If I had read that before I answered the call, before I knew that I would have four more children, I might have um, made a different decision. I'm just joking, boys. I love you. But had I known, folks, 
don't you think that if you had known sometimes the pain and the trial that you were going to go through in life, you wouldn't want to go through it. But praise God for a creator who still covers our paths. And so when he called us to Jersey, it was a hard life. We were on WIC back in Washington. When we left Newbold to go to Seattle, we were on WIC. We were on government assistance because our family was so large and we weren't making enough. We get to Jersey and there is an increase in his pay, but just a couple hundred dollars increase was nothing compared to the living expenses in New York and New Jersey. And so we were back to square one, scraping the bottom of the barrel, but we could no longer tap into government assistance or wick because he made just that shade of like $100 more. And so we were left just wondering, why, God, did you send us here? And we were church hopping, as you do. And that time, the internet wasn't um, as great as it is now, so we could only go to the website, to the church address. Then the website was the, you know, the SDA um, website that just gives you the address. I remember we hopped from church to church to church to church for six months. Some churches said, no, you wouldn't like it here, you're not a good fit. Finally, I remember one morning it was snowing and I was downhearted. We hadn't found a church yet, it was January, February. And Armando found an address, he says, we're going here. And it took us about 45 minutes in the snow to travel to this church where when we get to the parking lot, it's not a church, it's a school, and we couldn't find the church. And Armando, so what time is this, you know, because I have a hard time getting out the door with everybody. We arrived at church at 1130, and folks, when you arrive for divine service at 1130, what part of the service is it that you're going into? The sermon. And I was not going to get out of that car. And I could hear my mother saying, shame on you, you're late. And Armando, as my husband is, he's like, let's go, honey. I'm like, no, you're not going to get me out of this car. You go, you go worship. But have fun, we're going to stay in here. So he went out. Two minutes later, he comes back with this smiling man who was the pastor of the church. And I'm like, Jesus, he called the pastor to come get us. He opens the window. He's like, hi, I'm pastor. We would love for you all to come in. And I look back and the kids are like, let's go. So I was shooting Armando. If he, if he could have died, you know, with the looks I was giving him, he was like, as he is. And there I was, the last person coming in. So we go in the door. We go in the door. And there were four people staring back at us. The pastor, his head elder, and two church members. Tiny, tiny room that was, and we discovered it was the school church. And on Armando's end, so, so Armando's end, and he later told me, he said, I walked into the room, and I was trying to open the big heavy door very slowly, but it creaked, and everybody was praying, and then they turned around and looked at me. And I was trying to back out, and the pastor goes, no, 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 come, come, come. 
And Armando says, well, obviously church is over. He says, no, no, we just finished Sabbath school and we've been praying for a family to come through the door. And Armando's like, I got six in the car. And, he, and he's like, and he's like, well, go get them. He's like, pa-, and he tells me, Pastor, you need to come get my wife. <laughs> Which is why the big smile. And you know, that church, as small as they were, they had potluck ready in case someone came. And <laughs> praise God, because we were hungry. The boys were hungry. <laughs> And that little family became our family for the next two years. It was that pastor who kept on telling me, apply to Andrews and go for your ministerial degree. It was that pastor who had me on the rostrum because now he had a buddy to preach back and forth. And so one day, Armando calls me off of a trip And he says, guess where I am? And I said, where are you? He says, I'm at Andrew's seminary looking at documents to enter you in. Now, church family, I'm independent woman. I say when I'm ready to go to school. Not my husband. (laughs) I say when I'm ready. And I was waiting for the day that my youngest would be off to school and I could fully focus on studies. I said, what? Why? I'm not ready. He goes, no, we're ready as a family, Jen. I said, I'm not ready. I hung up the phone on him. And I called my mother and I said, do you know where Armando is? He's at Andrews University and he's talking to the registrars about entering me into school. How dare he? And my mom says, praise God, someone is listening to Jesus because you're not. I'm like, what do you mean? She goes, you cannot be hiding behind your parenthood all the time. God has been calling you now to ministry. I remember being angry and Armando took the forms and he kind of like, he did this. We had a little computer desk. He took the forms and he's like. I love you, honey. And. And I was mad. And I said, Lord, you have to show me that this is where you want me to be. And an email came through from a colleague that I hadn't heard from in 20 years. And she said, I've been praying and praying and praying for you and looking for your email. And God has told me to ask you, when are you going to start in pastoral ministry? And I started crying. And Armando's behind me reading the email. He's like, I told you, I told you, but yeah, I'm stubborn. And I said, no, no, I need more. I need more from God. Someone else called me that first told me you will never become a pastor because of your past. And had been telling me this for years. And this person said, hey, so I'm just kind of wondering where are you in your ministerial journey because you're not getting any younger and it's time to go toward ministry. See, when God calls you, he's not only just going to tap on you, he's going to tap on everybody in your sphere of influence to get you to do and to recognize what the call is. And so I told God, well, we don't have this, we don't have this. I'm past the deadline for entering into Andrews. And you know what? 
I bypassed all those deadlines, and we were in Andrews in four months. And God was amazing. So in 1 Peter 2.9, it says, but you are a chosen generation a royal priesthood, a holy nation, his own special people. God was telling me that you may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. God was telling me, I know that you're not sure of yourself. But I'm calling you. I'm calling you to preach for me. I'm calling you to come and learn. Come and do, Jen. Follow me. And so we did. And I remember it being good for a while. Armando was able to work from home and take care of the two boys who were not yet still in school, Paul and Josh. And then when they were in school, this is when he lost his job with the company. And we, he went through nearly 400 job applications and some interviews, nothing. Taco Bell in the town would not hire him. McDonald's would not hire him. Walmart would not hire him. He was either overqualified or underqualified. We had no income. And I said, how do you expect me to get through the seminary journey that you have called me to, Lord? But so, church, sometimes the trials that we walk, no matter how hard, are not purely just for our benefit, but it's for the benefit of those who are watching around us, whose faith needs to be renewed. And over and over, our church family kept asking us, how are you making it, family of seven with no income? Who's paying your rent? Who's paying your car insurance? Who's paying your bills? And I say, but God. Amen. See, when God calls you, he will equip you. When God calls you to something, he's not going to leave you hanging to a mission that he's called you to do. He's not calling you to die. He's calling you to live. And so finally... I remember graduation was coming and the Florida conference was calling. And it was two days before my meet and greet. And you know this story. It was a Friday night and I'm supposed to preach the next day and we're supposed to fly off to Florida here to meet with all of you. And I came home later that Friday evening and Armando was stuck in the throes of unconsciousness and we could not wake him up and the paramedic and cop were trying and trying and I remember holding his head in my hands and I was praying but I wasn't praying for God to save him. I was praying a very angry prayer and I said, God, I have done everything you have asked me my entire life. Everything I gave, you said to go here, I went here, you said to do that, I went that and now, Lord, at the Beginning of our ministry, when you know that this call is coming from Florida Conference, when you know that our, our famine 
is going to end now, that we're going to now be ministering to you. Now, now is when you decide to take my husband. And I'm praying this prayer and I'm mumbling and I know the paramedic was looking at me strange because I was angry. He couldn't hear it, but I was mumbling out of my mouth, much like Hannah was mumbling at the temple. And then God spoke and he said, Jen, if Armando sleeps tonight, do you still love me? Will you still serve me? Will you still go to plantation when they call you? And right in that moment, I realized that everything I was was because of God. How he saved me as a baby, how he gave me a fantastic husband who has been my complete and total support, how he gave me five children who I was never supposed to have. Everything belonged to God. Everything, even that moment where I am angry with God. These moments belong to him and I realized I was nothing, nothing without him. And so I said, God, I'm not, I don't know how I'm going to do it. If you take him tonight, I don't know how I'm, going to, how I'm going to be in ministry, but God, I give you my life again. I give you the life of my husband. I give you my children. Yes, I love you. Please, I will serve you all the days of my life. And I looked up and I yelled at the paramedic, what are you waiting for? And he's squeezing the glucose bag and he's telling me, five, four, three, two, one, you're going to see your husband now. And my husband rose up and said, yes, sir. And I'm taking her back. And what's your name, sir? Armando Hernandez Jr. Sir, what's your birthday? June 19th. What's wrong with you? I don't know. The blood sugar? He's like, man, we almost lost you. And he told us then, if I had not come home and went into bed at that exact moment, another few minutes and Armando would have been gone. See, but God was trying to teach me that before I came to you, Before I came to you, I had to know who he was first. I had to realize who he was in my life, that he was my all, my everything before I come to minister you and spread and testify for him. And he had to make sure I was ready, that I was bathed in spiritual renewal. And so God gave me back Armando. And you know, this is the first man who starts laughing within the 15 minutes that he's up, like, <laughs> you okay, honey? No, I'm so glad that you're alive. But man, don't scare me. Don't scare me like that again. And so I'm offered this job with you. So what was told to me from the conference was, you're going to be fine, Jen, because these are all islanders. And I had nothing to say to that. Like, what does that mean? He goes, you're from an island. They're from an island. It's going to be great. And I'm like, oh, okay, all right. So I went online to look up plantation, and the only things I could find was the worship team. And they were fantastic. I'm like, yeah, I can sing with them. And I remember my installation as you saw. See, I asked God when I came to the, to the, board, to the meet and greet, 
And I was unsure. I'm like, Lord, am I fit to pastor this church? Because then the other thing came to me. Not only are you going to be the pastor of Plantation, but you're the first female pastor of South Florida. How do you feel about that? And I was supposed to be like, yeah, but I'm like, I don't know if I want that title. Those are big shoes to fill. I'm going to tell you, church, I was scared. I was scared coming here because I had no idea what was going to happen. But God said when Moses, when he found, when Moses found him in the burning bush, Exodus 3, I believe, and he said, Go speak to my people. You're going to bring them out. And Moses says, me, Lord? And he says to him, I am going to be with you. And I remember standing up here on my installation day, as you saw in the video, and I remember your faces as one by one the family came up and you were like this. Three, four, whoa, five, who's this other person? Oh, that's not her son, is it? Whoa. And I remember being scared, but what happened that day was so beautiful. You became my family. I will never forget Elder Alex that day after everybody introduced themselves to me during the day. I'll never forget Elder Alex. He came up to me and he said, you are precious. You are treasured. You are loved. You are a child of God. And I'm so happy you're here. Plantation, I thank you. I know we have been through a lot these last four and a half, almost five years. I cannot believe that it's been that long, but it's gone so quickly. But you opened up your hearts and your arms, and this island girl came to this island church and found her family. Without you, I don't know how we would have done it. You have been with me through the pandemic time, even though the COVID is still here. That was crazy. But I love that I was able to meet with you guys and, and, and go to your homes. And someone asked me just recently, two weeks ago, what was one of your favorite times during, this, during your time here? I said, honestly, the, the food distributions and going house to house and meeting you folks and talking to you and getting to know you. You have been our family. I did not minister to you, you ministered to me. You supported my husband every single time he landed in the hospital. You came around. 
you know, remember six, six months after we came here, he was in the hospital again. And it was New Year's Eve, remember? Yes, Brother Hugh was with us on that day. We missed the church New Year's Eve concert. We were so looking for, he was looking forward to it because of all the food. And you know, because he almost collapsed that night, we ran him to the hospital, and you know, he woke up in the hospital, and he's like, oh, did I miss the food? I'm like, seriously? Because there was going to be food at the church, and there was going to be food at um, the Adams home. He knew there was going to be a party that night, so he's like, oh, I can't go. I'm like, no, <laughs> we're here. But every single time, you have been there, you have grown my children. And you have grown me. You have taught me how to be more compassionate. You have taught me how to grow a thick skin for the hurdles that have come our way. You have taught me that through anything you're going to pray me through. You have been with me through hospital visits, through death. Not once, but twice. And I couldn't have asked for a better place to start my ministry. And so I'm going to charge you All that you have done for me, I know some of you have said, you know, Pastor Jan, you won't be replaced. I said, hey, you've got a fantastic leader in Pastor Rose, and God's going to give you another pastor, and you just love. Just love on Pastor Rose. Just love on the new pastors, and they will serve you till he comes. And so I charge you, continue to be as you are. Connect with your brothers and sisters around you. Do life with them. Share your stories because when you share yourself with the one sitting next to you, their faith is grown and this church will blow the rooftop because the community will see that there is a church who is on fire for God. Amen. And so I ask you, fight the good faith. Persevere. In Hebrews 11, we come, you know, I, I never asked for this, I never asked for this new position. The conference came calling and, and I kept asking Pastor Rose and praise God for Pastor Rose who mentored me through the process and then finally he says, Pastor Jen, you're so hesitant, what's wrong? And I said, what about my family? What about my church family? What's going to happen to Plantation? And he said, Plantation will always be here. And we're going to be doing the work that God called us to do. But you should take this now because there's a greater call that God has on your life. 
I remember standing here last year and telling you how I lost the demon program. How because of all the deaths in the family and the stress, I couldn't make a certain GPA and I was dropped from the program. I remember telling you how I begged because I didn't want my boys to see one more loss. And the program said, no, no, I'm sorry, come back. You, you can return to the program, but um, come back in a few years when your life has settled down. Let me tell you something. My dissertation that I was writing was going to be about equipping women into leadership, and I was going to you do it with the help of the women of Plantation SDA Church. And then when this call came to me, God revealed to me, do you see now why I dropped you from the program? Because now I need you to minister to all the women. And your, your, your writing will not only be just about plantation, but your writing is going to encompass all the women that you are now going to serve. There is a higher purpose to your pain. And so I call you when I look through Hebrews 11. And it says... And I'll just run through it. By faith, Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out to a place which he would receive. By faith, Sarah herself received strength to conceive seed. By faith, Abraham, when tested, offered up Isaac. By faith, Moses, when he was born, was hidden three months. By faith, he became, when he became of age, he went to serve in the palace. By faith, he forsook Egypt. By faith. The walls of Jericho fell down and I look at it and I see my church and I say, by faith, plantation, Elder Jack and Elder Joanna were the founding members and helped to build this church when they just saw nothing but grass and they sat and saw grass and they said, we have a vision for what plantation's going to be. By faith, Sister Kathy was still a part of that. By faith, Sister Pearl was a part of that too. By faith, I see Elder Mozart leading and coming to do whatever it is we call him for. By faith, I see, I see Principal Rob still gunning for this school that God has put upon his heart. By faith, Elder Angela and Elder Dion has started these prayer lines three years ago that they knew that we would need to connect to one another. By faith, Pastor Mike is still ministering because he said, even though I am retired, I can still work for God by faith plantation keep going share your love and Nikki you can go ahead and start the I leave with you the last Hebrews 12, 1 to 2 says, therefore, we also, since we're surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us stand aside, lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who, for the joy that was set before him, endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of God. Run the race. 
Give it all to Jesus, no matter what you are walking through today. Give it all to Jesus because I know, I don't know what's going to happen tomorrow, but I know that one day I'm going to be standing next to you in heaven. And we're going to look at each other and we're going to say, we ran the race and we persevered. And the 
please stand to your feet and gather. Come out of your seats a little bit. This is the only time that I can do this. Come out, come join hands, come on, come on. If there is one thing that I wish that my family would leave with you, through how you've walked with us in the last four years, is to never let go of God. Always make him the first and foremost of your life, and no matter what you are going through, God will see you through. Because I expect to be standing next to each and every one of you on that great day. So now is the time. We don't know what tomorrow brings. But now is the time to give your life. He wants to know you. Now is the time to say, Father, it doesn't matter what's going on in my life today. I stand because I am faithful and you are faithful to me. Father God, you see your children, Father, so longing to be closer to you, God. Father, I thank you for all they have been to my family. Lord, I am, we are forever a part of the plantation DNA now. And God, as we lead as and as we leave, and I know that you're gonna bring, Father, I ask for your blessing upon this church. Lord, may you infuse them with life. Father, may you walk with them in their everyday trials, Lord, and may they see miracles happening in their life because of you. And Father, because of that, Father, let them bring others to you, Lord. And I pray for the leadership of Pastor Rose, God, for he will be holding this church up. And I pray for our elders, Lord, and our ministry leaders, God. That they will take your church and connect not only the people in this building are the ones standing and listening online, but the ones who are out in the community and who still don't know you, Father, may as they share your love, may others be brought to you through plantation and may plantation be a beacon of light as they have been for my family. Father, bless them, keep them, and make your face to shine upon them. Give them peace, Father. Thank you for my family and what they have been to me. May you bless them abundantly, Father. And may we see one another again when you come. Amen. Someone grab my hands. I want you to grab hands next to each other. And we're going to do this because it's the only time. Side by side we stand, awaiting God's commands, worshiping the saving King, living by His grace and moving on in faith. Jesus Jesus.
himself will see us through. Sing with me, meet me. was brought to you by Plantation Seventh-day Adventist Church, a Christ-centered congregation dedicated to spreading the good news of God's love through sermons, deeper dive conversations, and much more. If you would like to listen to more life lessons and inspirational content, please visit us at plantationsda.tv.